Welcome inside to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We have Sam Oft of Next Level Physical Therapy. Sam, welcome in. Thanks, Chase. All right, Sam, after a couple of technical difficulties, we finally got to recording. So why don't you give the people a little bit of background about who you are and uh, what got you into physical therapy in the first place? Um, I am a sports physical therapist, athletic trainer, and former EMT. I'm currently practicing in Orlando, Florida. Um, I got into sports physical therapy by way of athletic training, by way of EMS, um, years and years ago. And I think what interested me in the field uh, primarily was after suffering a sports injury myself and having gone several months without training and without a whole lot of progress, I finally met a great sports physical therapist who was able to give me really good advice and get me back on the volleyball court within just uh, a couple of months. Gotcha. And so um, was there, you said you started off, uh, off as a EMT and then went to athletic training school. Uh, so kind of what brought you and, you know, all the way to physical therapy through those different career paths. Physical therapy was actually the original goal for me. And when I was in undergrad at university of Georgia, I happened to stumble upon athletic training, um, because I was already in the exercise and sports science major. So I was introduced to athletic training and I was like, Whoa, wait a minute, this is actually what I want to do. So I started in the athletic training program at the university of Georgia. And at that time, EMT school was an optional part of the athletic training program. So I opted to do that first um, while I was getting my uh, undergraduate and then eventually my certification to be an athletic trainer. And then I took a couple of years off after undergraduate to make sure that PT school was actually still what I wanted to do. It was. And so eventually I, I completed PT school, which was the original goal. I just got distracted along the way. Gotcha. And so um, I introduced you as the owner of Next Level Physical Therapy. So kind of tell us a little bit what's um, what you guys do there. I know we kind of talked a little bit about, off air um, about what you guys do, but kind of tell everyone else a little bit more about how you guys operate at Next Level. So Next Level is a cash-based practice, and we predominantly treat performers. So we are we want we wanted to open a practice that was accessible to the performing arts community in Orlando because there's a really big performing arts community here. We wanted to take to bring our expertise to be available to anybody who was in performing arts and wanted somebody that specialized and who, who really understood the environment really well. Gotcha. And what got you involved in performing arts in the first place? Did you have any prior experience there or you know, treating athletes like that during your time in undergrad or in PT school? Not really, actually. Um, and I ended up in performing arts um, partially by mistake. So I graduated from undergrad, um, got my certification to be an ATC, and then went the traditional sports route. I started working at a high school. I moved my way up to working at a college. And then eventually I took over a sports medicine program for the physical therapy company that I was working for. Um, my husband and I now were, um, we were doing a bit of a long distance relationship at that point, And I was looking for anything that would get me closer to him after he proposed. And so the only job that I could find at the time was in performing arts. And I won't share what that is, but it was in performing arts at the time. And, um, I, I, I ended up working uh, with a lot of stage performers and I realized, oh my gosh, I love this. I need to try to figure out how to make this my career. So it was a mistake. <laughs> and what was it about, you know, performing arts athletes 
um, kind of made you like fall in love, especially after working so many years with like typical field athletes? Well, I don't know if you've spent any time around performers, but they're amazing. They're very entertaining people. They're very energetic people and they're very open people. And it was, um, the environment was very interesting. It was very different than sports. Sports, most traditional sports have an in-season and an off-season and everything kind of works like clockwork. And it's very predictable regardless of what sport you're working in. And even to an extent, regardless of what level of sport you're working in, but performing arts is completely different. And for me, that posed a whole new challenge. It's at least in the environment that I was in at the time, I ended up working with artists who were performing up to 10 shows a day. And they were performing that most every day of the week. Now, that particular set of people were performing very short shows, but there was no off season. There was no, um, there was no time for them to recover and go have surgery in the off season or, you know, work on gaining strength in the off season. It didn't work like that at all. Um, and when I went to Cirque du Soleil, I realized that these are people who perform 10 shows a week, 500 shows a year. If we're going to work on making people stronger before they're injured, we're going to have to be really creative about doing it because we can't just wait until the off season here. So it was a really interesting challenge. Gotcha. And so you mentioned your time with Cirque du Soleil. So kind of tell us a little bit more about, you know, some of the things that you've learned working with like one of the highest level performing arts, like crews in, in the world. <laughs> Can you be a little bit more specific? Cause I've learned a lot working with them. <laughs> Um, in terms of in terms of physical therapy, something that you've learned, like working with people, like you said, that have no off season that are kind of performing like for long hours for with no off days without any sort of rest. How do you kind of work with those types of athletes? So the performing arts uh, community is is a good bit different in that, at least at Cirque du Soleil, you have um, their main act that you're rehabbing them to come back to. So if we use trapeze as an example, I think most people are familiar with flying trapeze, right? Or jumping on a trampoline, something like this. So they have a primary act that they have to get back to, but so many of them also have other disciplines, other circus arts that they're trying to get back to as well. So there's not just a primary act, but a lot of times there's a secondary act or a secondary role that they perform in the show. And they don't just come on stage and do their 10 minute act and leave. They're performing for a, for the better chunk of 90 minutes sometimes. So you really have to consider energy systems training and you do for all athletes, of course, but it's a completely different world when you're looking at somebody who is on stage for 90 minutes performing in multiple acts. Gotcha. And so when those, when those athletes come in and, you know, it's, let's say it's an overuse injury, cause it's most likely going to be that if you're doing that much volume of performing and moving around. Um, how do you kind of work with them to manage to get them to be able to perform, let's say the next day, um, especially if they, after they've come off, like you said, 10 shows in one day? What I've learned about circus performers is that they're, for the most part, incredibly resilient. So, um, and they're a lot of times coming from environments where they were able to make their own decisions about how it is um, they manage their modifications and they manage their act. And when you get to, um, any bigger production, there's a lot more to consider because there's a lot of moving pieces. So you really have to take um, the artist's opinions, goals, and feelings into consideration when you're making those 
activity modifications for them. And ultimately what ends up happening is hopefully you're able to keep somebody in the show um, if it's possible and if they're comfortable and if they can do it with an activity modification so that they don't detrain in other areas. Now, of course, that's not always possible. So if we have to pull somebody out, then there's quite a lengthy plan that goes into place to get them back onto stage. But on the other side of things, on the stage management side of things, that person's act, their, their uh, position in their primary act has to be replaced. But then that creates a domino effect throughout the rest of the show because it's pulling somebody from a different area who might be in a primary act. And that has an effect and that has an effect. So it can be a really delicate balance when you're making those decisions. Gotcha. Um, and so when, you know, we talked a little bit about it, but when you're, you, you have an athlete, they come into the clinic, how does your, your treatment approach vary or differ from when you're, um, when you're working with them, like out of, out of venue, um, you said you have a look, you know, you, you don't do that quite as often now, but when you're working with someone that's, you know, getting ready to perform in a couple of hours, how does your treatment approach vary from then versus when you have a couple of hours with them in a clinic? So if they're expected to perform that day and they're coming in with something painful, the first thing that we'll try to do is to decipher whether or not they're okay to perform at full duty. And if they are, because you have treat, because you have a show later on that day, we might choose some feel good. If I may use my sarcastic air quotes here, we might use some more feel good type treatment approaches um, and then save some of the harder work for when they don't have a couple of shows to perform that night. And that's, that's a tech, that's a, that's something that we do pretty often. Um, if they do require modifications and that kicks off a long chain of communication that has to happen. Gotcha. Um, and so I, I would, you know, venture to say that, uh, circus performers or, you know, performing arts athletes are similar to, let's say a football team where there's athletes of all different, you know, shapes and sizes where, you know, you might have someone that is like hypermobile and very flexible and very light compared to someone that might be, you know, doing heavier lifting. So kind of how do you treat, you know, everyone from the 90 pound flyer to the someone that's, you know, doing a lot of more heavy lifting? How do you kind of change your treatment approach for them? So uh, I don't think that there's anything novel in my answer here, unfortunately. Just like any place else, you want to make sure that you have a good understanding of what their show requirements are. So what is it that they have to be able to do and what their and what is their deficit? And then you just need to bridge the gap. Um, I think where circus is so different is that um, we certainly do have a much more hypermobile um, population of people. And so when you're dealing with people who have a hypermobility spectrum disorder or Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, something like this, certainly there are other considerations that you have to keep in mind. A lot of times strength may come a little bit slower. They may be dealing with more chronic pain than somebody who isn't on the hypermobility spectrum. Um, they may have heart rate issues because of comorbid POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. That's pretty common. So I think it's really just about understanding the population that you have in front of you and understanding the nuance of each of those types of folks, and then helping them bridge the gap to, from where they are to where they need to be taking into consideration the uniqueness that is them. Gotcha. Um, so one of the questions or one of the main points on this podcast, um, for, especially for like sports PTs is like interprofessional collaboration with, you know, team doctors or athletic trainers or strength coaches. Um, so what is the collaboration like with, you know, the performing arts, like physicians or the athletic trainers? I know you are, you know, dual certified, but 
the other healthcare professionals that are involved with that with those athletes care. So if we're talking um, specifically about the stage environments, um, a lot of times PTs and ATs are used interchangeably in those environments. And I've spoke to that before, so I don't think that's any sort of mystery. Um, that's how that works at Cirque du Soleil. And that can be um, for those professionals coming into that environment who are quite used to working in a dynamic that looks different to that. That can be a little bit difficult to get used to. And so... Um, the point that I'm about to make makes, I think will make a point for the bigger multidisciplinary team is that you have to look, and especially in this environment, to each individual person's strengths, regardless of just what their certifications are behind their name. So we might have an ATC who's really great at rehab, but somebody who's come in as a PT expecting a typical PT ATC dynamic. And that doesn't always work in this environment because the days are very long, training starts quite early, shows finish quite late. And so our days are staggered, right? So you might have somebody coming in to do rehab early in the morning or uh, early in the afternoon, but then somebody who stays to cover show until midnight. And those things rotate and flip-flop, right? So sometimes the ATC is coming in to do rehab and the PT is staying to cover the show. So just on the performance medicine team itself, you have a really wide range of, of things that you're seeing skill-wise from these types of professionals. Now, when you zoom out a bit and you're looking bigger at the multidisciplinary team, um, we often work with um, acrobatic skill coaches. We have um, head coaches. Sometimes there's act coaches. There's often a strength coach. And then in our world, we also have to look to the artistic director who's going to be looking out for not only the artist and the artist's injury and the recommendations that are coming from the performance medicine team or from the coaching team, but they're also looking at the overall needs of the show and trying to balance that. So a lot of times you get some good banter back and forth just to say, okay, well, I understand what the functional limitations are and we don't want to breach those. We want to make sure that this person is well taken care of and stays healthy. But at the same time, the show really needs a body in this place right here. So instead of saying, um, we're going to pull this person out of show altogether, can we have this person perform what we call uh, atmospheric cues or just cues to make sure that we have enough people to fill the stage? And that's quite different from sport. So you might have somebody who has, you know, um, a pretty acute ankle sprain, but is doing a sitting role in the show because we need somebody to fill that specific role. And that's quite different. Um, but I would say as far as physicians are concerned and things like that, like that all works pretty much the same as it does in the traditional sport world. And so you kind of mentioned that, you know, sometimes you'll, PTs will kind of stay and cover AT roles and ATs roles will kind of, they kind of blend together naturally. Um, so what is it like, uh, let's say a day in the life yes. for you, if you're covering, you know, event or, you know, an event versus, you know, a day in the life of what it's like working at your, at your clinic? So um, if we're talking specifically a day in the life at the circus, then uh, you come in first thing in the morning um, or first thing in the afternoon. Morning for us is like 11 o'clock. So understand that when I say morning, I most certainly don't mean any earlier than 11 a.m. That's not really how that works usually, unless something else is happening. Um, if there's a PR event or something, and that certainly does happen. Um but uh, at least in the environment that I have traditionally been in, which is a resident show, so not a touring show, not something that goes all over the world, that has a home in one specific spot and performs the same show night after night, week after week, year after year. So we start the day somewhere between 11 and 1 p.m. 
And that's when your long-term rehabs come in. We're lucky enough that we get to keep those on site. So we'll do long-term rehab. So it looks very much like an outpatient orthopedic clinic right off, right to start off the day. And then um, it'll transition as we get a little bit later and a little bit closer to show. And it'll start to look like an athletic training room. People will come in for those quick feel-good treatments. They'll come in to get taped. They'll come in, you know, to, to cover tattoos or they'll come in to cover like, you know, little cuts and scrapes and things like that. And then we transition into full-blown emergency coverage after that and until the rest of the night. Now, there is, uh, in some of those environments, two show nights. So we will reserve some time between shows for folks who need a modification to their second show if they've sustained an injury during their first show. And that's kind of what things look like at the circus. Now, if we're covering a, uh, like a different type of event, like a lot of times our clinic will send folks out to do race car events. Um, and that's um, really a very different story. So it really just depends on the event. Gotcha. Do you have any advice for anybody that would like to, you know, get involved in performing arts, uh, you know, whether it's whether athletic trainers or physical therapy, you know, and sort of, sort of coverage and working with performing arts? Do you have any advice for them? I would say... Um, understand, do your best to understand what the demands of the environment are. I know that looking inside, uh, looking in from the outside, things can look sexy, but when you actually get into the environment, you don't actually realize the nuance of what's going on in there. So the best advice that I have is probably to say, make sure that you understand what the day-to-day -day looks like in the environment that you're going to want to go in and make sure that that's compatible for your life first. So um, I ignore the second part of your question. So I'm going to circle back to that. My day in the clinic looks very different. My day in the clinic now starts at 10 a.m. I treat in one hour blocks, one patient at a time, because I have the luxury of doing that until about 6 p.m. every night. And I finish my evening um, with off-site treatment. So I'm not actually in the clinic. So I use my lunch hour to hurry up and scarf food and drive across town to finish treating. And so I'm always home by dinner time and bedtime. So for my life right now, I've got three young kids who are all in school. This looks great for my life. But looking back to what my life was several years ago at Cirque du Soleil, it wouldn't have been compatible for my life to be working, you know, Tuesday through Saturday until 11 p.m. I would have missed all of my kids growing up. So I suppose that's my point. Really take the time to understand what the demands of the environment are before you decide. A lot of these jobs involve a lot of travel. And if that works for your life, that's wonderful. But if you're like me, where you have a spouse and several children, that may not be the best environment. So really make sure to take the time to understand the environment, make sure it fits for your life, and then start talking to people in those environments to learn how to make your resume look like what it is that they want, to make your experiences look like it is, look like what is going to be needed in that environment. And so last question for you, Sam. Uh, do you have any advice for anybody that wants to get into sports physical therapy in general, um, whether they're an undergraduate and trying to decide what they want their career to be, or if they're in PT school um, and, you know, they're looking to do what to do after they graduate? I would say start hanging out in those environments as much as you can. If you're not sure if sports PT is for you, start hanging out on the sidelines of games. Don't just show up. That That might not work out too well for you, but Start calling clinics like mine that offer event coverage um, or perhaps high schools that would have an athletic trainer on a sideline of a football game and ask to either do some observation hours or do some volunteer hours. I can tell you that when we get emails in the clinic for observation hours, I'm a lot more likely to respond if someone's offering volunteer hours as well. 
because that's a lot more helpful to me with the type of clinic that I run than just offering someone just wanting to do observation hours. So really try to understand what it is that 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 facility or that clinic needs and offer that just to get yourself a little bit closer to the environment to make sure that you like it and then understand the different roles. And at Cirque du Soleil, you have PTs and ATs who are responding to emergencies. And some people are afraid of the sight of blood. So if you are wanting to be a sports PT and you're squeamish, then sideline coverage might not be for you. So that's something that you want to understand before you go into a specific environment. But also understand that different environments require different levels of that type of coverage. So make sure you understand that. Gotcha. All right, Sam, I think that's all the questions I have for you. Um, is there anything you would like to plug? Um, I know I, I would definitely link down Next Level P Physical Therapy. I'll link your guys' website. But is there anything else that you would like to plug? Um, not really. Um, I will say that uh, responding to emails is a little bit difficult these days. Um, but I am on Instagram quite a bit. Um, so if you have any questions specifically about getting into circus or about the circus environment or about performing arts in general, um, I do tend to engage and respond to direct messages on Instagram. And my handle is at circus physio. Gotcha. I will also make sure to link that below. Well, Sam, thank you for being a great guest and offering a really unique perspective. Um, you're our first performing arts PT that we've had on the podcast. And I think, you know, hopefully a lot of people can gain a lot of great knowledge from everything that you shared today. Um, and so with that being said, this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Huge thank you to Sam Oft of Next Level Physical Therapy for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Sam talked about how she got into performing arts PT and why she loved working with performing arts athletes. If you liked what you heard today and want to hear more episodes from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.